Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, February 26, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's story on page 11, the first paragraph which begins with, To Christ I Conceded. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, which end with, and he certainly had me. Today's readers are Pam R., Elaine H., Nancy T., Sally P., and Carmela G. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, February 25, 2019's meetings are 12,588 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's one two. 588 and 12,589 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 12589. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Pam R. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning. This is Pam R., compulsive overeater from North Carolina, reading the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. 
Thank you and have a good day. I pass. Thank you, PMR. Have a good day to you too. I will now ask Elaine H. to read the OA12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Elaine H., um, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one. Ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend. The OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lists problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. <coughs> Excuse me. Eight, overreason anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Um, Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 1, Bill's Story on page 11, the first paragraph which begins with, To Christ I Conceded. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs which end with, And He Certainly Had Me. I will now ask Nancy T. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Nancy T., a recovered compulsive reader from Lewiston, Idaho. To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching, most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, The rest I disregarded. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. 
judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible, the brotherhood of man a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. Well, yesterday we uh, read about, you know, how Bill had a closed mind, and this is just more evidence, more description of Bill's closed mind and some negativity there, really, about um, spirituality. And I can relate because when I was approached um, and started working the steps, at first glance, I glanced over, you know, steps two and three that talked about believing in a power greater than myself because I thought, oh, I believe in God. I'm good. And I didn't realize that um, my belief in God was conditional. You know, I didn't, I always, um, I didn't realize that my belief in God wasn't enough to the extent that I needed for the to the working of the steps. So I needed to really, um, and I was a baby, I was just starting. But the part, the, the line that really um, stands out to me here that I can relate to is, in that first paragraph at the end of it. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. I, God was a 911 call for me because I couldn't make the rest of it work. All that um, faith and dependence and these intimate relationships that I heard people describe in their relationships with God, I had never found that. I didn't know why. I literally said many times to people, I think there's something wrong with me spiritually because I just, I couldn't get there. I didn't realize that like Bill, I had a closed mind. I wasn't willing to be open and allow God to show me, you know, the, um, what he had for me. And I think that a lot of that was underlying a lot of that closed mindedness for me was fear. If I'm open, what's he going to ask me to do? Is he going to ask me to do something I can't do? Well, I've since learned that God doesn't put anything in front of me that I'm not able to handle, but he might put something in front of me that I don't think I can handle or that I don't want to handle or that I'm unwilling to handle. And that's the difference. That's where my closed mind was. Um, So once I, you know, we'll see here in in a few more days, we're going to get to the critical line there where Abby says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And, And for me, I couldn't even get there because I thought it was somehow sinful. You know, I carried in the prejudices from my childhood teachings, what I perceived I was taught. That's the difference because that's not what I was taught. But what I perceived I was taught blocked me from being able to be open to who and what God was. And when I finally, out of desperation from this disease, um, had to open my mind, it was amazing. And I like, I think it's Kim G that says in one of her podcasts, when I walked towards God, he ran towards me. And that was my experience when I finally opened my mind. It was like God just ran to me and, and put his arms around me. And my life has um, been changed ever since. And today I'm so grateful to live in a relationship with God that is growing and maturing and, um, and just very much alive. So thank you for allowing me to share and be of service. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Nancy T. If you would like to share on these first two paragraphs on page 11 in the big book and haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Elise Annie. Elise from Boston. Elise. Katie D. Katie Judy from New Jersey. Kim J. Harlan J. I got Kim, Kim G. G and Harlan. Oh, yeah. 
Vinny T. And Vinny T. Okay. Let me tell you who I have, and we'll stop there. Elise, you can give us your initial when you speak up. Katie G, Judy, and we'll take your initial. Kim G, Harlan G, and Vinny T. Elise, please go right ahead. Hi, this is Elise. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Elise. Good morning, and thank you for your service. Um, I think that I, in a way, I'm I'm religious now, but in a way I was lucky when I grew up. I had what you call tabula rasa, like a blank slate. I didn't have any, I wasn't raised with um, a belief in God. I was raised by a um, man who was a Holocaust survivor who wasn't sure if he believed in God, but certainly acted as if he did. And that was a blessing. That's a, still a blessing. Um, and I used to wonder how we talked and how we moved our hands. And, and I, I believe there was a God. Um, but it wasn't until I got into this program and started to lose weight and realized that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself that I started to really believe in God. And then I wanted to say thank you. And that's how I ended up getting into, you know, praying. And and, then that's a whole other story, but getting into my own faith. But I'm so grateful for today. Um, Through vision, um, I would tell anybody not to give up hope. I went, I was in the 90-day program. I did all, I was doing the tools and what have you. But I was resting on my laurels. I had gone through the steps. I wasn't doing service. And I I picked up, and I couldn't put down for years. Gained all my weight back plus. And now, um, in the last seven months, um, it took me only about two months, went through the steps with my sponsor, two or maybe three months, went through the steps with my sponsor. I'm sponsoring somebody else, um, taken off almost 70 pounds. And just even more than that, sitting at a Sabbath table, sitting at any table, watching foods go by and not having a craving for them, not having a desire for them, and just thanking God and not being able to believe that it's the same person. Um, And also, my thinking is so much clearer that when I'm working with people that have addictions or I'm working as a therapist, I'm able to really Um, pray before I speak to people, ask God to give me the right words, um, and to be humble. I think the the thing that this program has given me most of is humility to know what I don't know and to ask people um, that know more than me when I don't know, you know, and to have a sponsor that's been in program 45 years and, you know, she knows a lot um, and a lot of people know a lot and to have like she says, never to do anything alone again with food, um, but to do things by committee, meaning if I have a question, I could ask her. And she can ask her sponsor and other people if she needs to. So I'm, I'm so grateful that God has helped me to come to this place. And I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for your service. Elise, before you mute, what was the first initial of your last name? N. N is a Nancy. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry, I missed it before. Thank you so much, Elise, for sharing. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And 
You know, this just speaks to me um, about my intellectual mind and my attitude before the steps. Like, how many times do I adopt the parts that are convenient for me and not too difficult, the rest I disregard? How many times do I disregard the fact that OA is a program of 12 steps? Um, how many times do I judge um, the, the forest, the entire forest, because of the ugliness of some of the trees. And I love that Bill is being so honest about what is blocking me, right? And um, it wasn't until I did step four and was able to see, you know, my sick mind, you know, criticizes other people for things that I do too. And then I'm just counting myself out because God's not there. God's not there. And this is the great intellect that I have that blocks me from God. And, and what I love about the process of the steps is that I can't think of God with my mind. Like, um, in the beginning of program, a well, of program, a well-meaning sponsor had me write a want ad for God and write everything that I thought God was. I don't want to know what God is. All I want to know is I'm not God and God is so big. He's going to blow my mind, right? Because I never could have created Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, and same with the steps, like this book, these guidelines to help me uncover, discover, and discard these old ideas that count me out from God and help me worship my intellect, um, you know, the, the steps, they're an experience. This textbook is guidance for me to have an experience. So the textbook is not the answer. The, the textbook gives me guidelines to get to the answer, which is my problem solver who is I like to call God today. And so I'm just so grateful. I know that Bill has not yet done the steps, but I love that he's looking at all of his um, old ideas because I, I have them too. And, you know, today as a recovered woman, like how do I disregard the parts that seem convenient and not too difficult? You know, how do I... Um, how do I say one thing and do another? How or how am I living in consistency with God? And um, it's such an amazing process. I don't recognize the person that I am today. And um, you know, God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know. You know, like how do I criticize Overeaters Anonymous because of what I consider the ugliness of the trees, um, and but disregard the whole program? You know, so um, I'm just so glad that I don't have to get stuck in my old ideas, and that I know today that everything that I think I know that is the problem. And, and God willing, I can walk shoulder to shoulder with all of you for another 24 hours. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Katie G. Judy N. No, Judy, I don't have your initial. I'm sorry. Hi, this is Julie M. Could it have Julie been you heard? From North Carolina? No, Julie no. M. From Colorado. Julie, Julie N. Uh, I'm sorry. Say it once more. Julie. Julie M. As in Mary. M. Got it. From Colorado. One second, Julie. Yes. Is there a Judy from North Carolina or somewhere that begins with an N? Judy. Okay. I guess it's you, Julie M. I beg your pardon. No problem. Go right ahead. Thank you so much. Um, the part I, I can really relate with this as my confusion between religion and spirituality. And when I look back at when uh, 
um, towards the bottom of page, towards the middle of page nine, when Ebby looked at Bill and said, I've got religion. And then here he's saying the wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I remember when I was about 10 years old and seeing all the, all the news of religious wars happening in the Middle East. And I remember thinking, if there's a God and that's what God does, then I hate God and I want no part of God. And I was so confused between what religion was and what spirituality was. And um, the next line here where Bill, Bill writes, I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. And so I related so much with all of this that, that he shares about, you know, he believes in a power greater than himself, but he's really struggling with the religious aspect. And that's exactly how it was for me, that I, I stayed closed-minded until I saw that it wasn't religion that I needed in order to embrace the steps and in order to, to move through the steps and in order to be able to believe in a power greater than myself, it was spirituality. It was the belief that there's something out there, there's some kind of power that's, that's bigger than I am that I can tap into, that I can connect to, and that can give me solace and that I can turn to instead of turning to the food when life gets big and life gets crazy and ugly, which it does all the time. And um, I'm so grateful because I, I hated religion so much. And I grew up in an in a atheist home where, you know, my dad used to say, oh, anyone who follows that is a bunch of sheep and you've got to have willpower. And, and I married a man who was like that as well. So it was, it was difficult for me to believe in, I couldn't even say the word God for years. I would say HP. Now I can say God, and I know that it's not connected to any religion out there. It's connected to my belief in the power of the universe, and, I, and, uh, and that's what saves me every day from turning into the food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie M. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And that first paragraph, this is how I often read it to myself. To Overeaters Anonymous, I conceded the certainty of a great program, not too closely followed by those who claimed it. The 12-step moral teaching was most excellent. But for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. I mean, after all, I was told, take what you want and leave the rest. You know, I, I think of that line on, on page 164. It says, we create the fellowship we crave. You know, I have to tell you, I've always done that in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, when I worshiped the food plan, I would only hang out with people that did the exact same food plan that I did. If I was in relapse, I would surround myself with people who were in relapse so we could justify the fact we continued to eat. You know, my program for many years was just a bunch of slogans. So I hung around people that would say, keep coming back, don't leave till the miracle happens, and not do any work. But I have to say my greatest obstacle was being in a 12-step program, only working a nine-tool program. 
You know, it makes me sad. One thing that makes me sad is especially big book meetings that don't believe in the allergy, you know, that talk about the fact that we can continue to eat and somehow God will teach us to moderate, which directly contradicts any 12-step program that says you have to put down the substance first. And it amazes me when people come into any healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and 99 people can share very clearly we have a two-fold illness, allergy of the body and the mental twist, that we have to put the food down first. And then one share will say, well, I don't have an allergy, and I can eat whatever I want. And you'll see all these people scampering over to that person because they want that message. They want that message that I want to be able to eat, and yet I want to have what these people in the room who seem have, you know, who are free have. You know, for 17 years and over years anonymous, I've been in since 94, I have experienced temporary respites, relief. And these last eight years, I've experienced freedom. I just want to say, don't settle. Don't settle for just comfortable misery. Don't settle for getting 90 days or 60 days using the tools only and then going back into the food and thinking that's all you can get. Don't do that one, two, three waltz, the steps one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, which always left to relapse like me, like I had. You know, I, I'm not, don't do the steps a la carte. This is why I mentioned that I, in the first 17 years of OA, because I hope some people can identify in, but it's by showing you what I did in these last eight years that will give you the roadmap to recover and experience freedom. Because if it's possible for me, it is possible for you. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Harlan G. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. There are 373 people on the line this morning, and countless more will hear the recordings. And when I read the second paragraph here, I'm asking myself, who among us has not looked up at the sky with tears in our eyes, shaking a fist at God and saying, why my son, why my daughter, why my loved one? Why this and why that? And I get this call all the time about people that have no way of believing in God because of the Holocaust or no way of believing in God because of this or because of that. And to them I say, I don't know why children get leukemia. I don't know why there are people that kill one another. I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend I know and I don't know. There are people here on the line this morning that have had horrific, nightmarish injustices thrust upon them during this life. And they said, where was God? And we forget that there were people that came to us and gave us this message of hope. They gave us a message of recovery, but that's lost because we focus in on the horror of what has happened in our lives. If there was a God, then why did my dad die or whatever, or my son or my daughter or my baby? But there are people, and it's what we do with it. It's how we respond. We can recover in spite of it. We can recover because of it. But I am not going to allow Hitler to kill one more Jew in me and not believe in God because of the nightmarish events of the world. I'm not going to allow it. 
and I'm not going to allow it by holding God's hand and letting him take my life into recovery. There are many, many reasons abounding all around us why we should not believe in God. But as we look around and we hear the voices of people that are recovering and they are released from their desire to eat compulsively and are doing so happily, we are reminded that there is another way. There is another way. We perhaps will never know why our child, why our parent, why our loved one. But we can recover. Most of the people that I knew that were adults when I was a child were Holocaust survivors. And they would grab my face and they would squeeze me and kiss me and feed me and say, live until you die. Live until you die. And in spite of all the horror, the only way I know how to live is by holding God's hand. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Marilyn G. Vinny T. And then I'll take more names after Vinny. Um, can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Vinny. Good morning. Thank you. This is Vinny T. in North Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, it's funny. Uh, I was, you know, dreading following Harlan. But, of course, right away, Julie M. kind of stole my uh, message there and so eloquently put it. Uh, I agree with, with that so much. Um, but I'm I'm going to go off on another tact and, and, you know, praise the big book here. Um, I had a, a hard time identifying with, with God. And, um, you know, I, I certainly identify with these two paragraphs. I've, I've felt these things and... and uh, you know, uh, it was very hard to get over them. But I realize now with all these shares, you know, um, I've read the big book before and done the steps before and it didn't take. But doing it, you know, this way, listening to the shares of everyone, it slows me down so that I can really think and take in what these paragraphs mean to me. And uh, for that, I am very grateful. And that was how I did get my my way to God. And um, it's really a beautiful thing. So, you know, everyone, you know, listen, um, share, you know, take it in um, and, uh, you know, live live this life. It's wonderful. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Vinny T. So in case you got on late, We read the first two paragraphs on page 11 in the big book. And if you haven't shared in the past day or two and would like to on what we read, uh, please press star one to unmute and give me your name. Sandy S. Lisa S. B. And someone S. Who was Tina S. Sandy. Okay, I'm going to write down Tina and Sandy S. And who else tried to get in? Leslie W. Leslie W. Anyone else? Barbara P. Barbara P. Kathy G. Kathy G. And I'll take one one or two more. Was that Russ M? Yep. And who was the other voice? The female voice? Okay, we'll see if we have time for 
all of you, I'll tell you who I have. Pete B, Tina S, Sandy S, Leslie W, Barbara P, Kathy G, Russ M, and Suri C. Go ahead, Pete B. Thank you, moderator. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. I'm in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I've been, I've been around 12-step recovery rooms for uh, over two decades. And I have never, I haven't gone to one meeting where somebody stood up or put their hand up and said, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful we're finally here talking about God. I've I've, I've never heard anybody say that's what they've been waiting for, somebody to bring up the concept of God. Everybody, it's been my experience that the majority of people that come here have a resistance to this idea of God. It's, 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 it's almost like a common characteristic for us. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, I've said this earlier that, you know, regardless of how eloquent or polished or, 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 you know, to the point my message is, you really just can't talk somebody into it. It has to be an experience. It has some, see, I, I know for me, I couldn't open my mind to the concept of God till my scorecard read zero, right? Our our literature goes on to say, faced by a self-imposed crisis. This is a crisis. It's a disease that only gets worse, never better, and for which there is no treatment. And the only, according to the doctor that we read beforehand, according to that doctor, no human power can relieve it. Right, so that means if I'm abstinent and I'm recovering and I'm doing it without a God, that means I'm not, I, I don't have the condition that's described in the doctor's opinion. I am a hard eater or a hard drinker, right? The, the, for the real alcoholic, I'll say this and shut up. They told me two or three meetings into this thing that Alcoholics Anonymous never got one drunk sober. And I'll say this, Overeaters Anonymous never got one real overeater abstinent and recovered. It's God's grace and mercy that does that. The obsession has, is either lifted or it's not. I'm so, and I'm grateful, you know, they, another thing that they told me, that pain and suffering, misery, that's the cover charge. That's what it costs to get in here. But it's not strong enough, it's not, it's not, it's not big enough to keep me here. It's only through grace and only through mercy and developing and nurturing a relationship with the God of my understanding that I'm able to stay abstinent and recover and remain recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete B. Tina S. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow some really great shares grateful to be on the line and you know i i love the first paragraph where it says to christ i conceded the certainty of a great man you know the history that i've read over the years from being in school and in college and all that there were many great men you know many great men that uh had many followers and one of the things that i knew was that you know whatever i thought my religion's um 
told me that I needed to do, there was no way that I was able to do that. You know, so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I love that it was talked about. You know, I'll just take what I want and leave the rest. You know, I did that for many, many years also. And, you know, it got me a room in several different 12-step programs, and I never got recovered in any. You know, and what I, I also heard this, too, because nothing we say I think is original. You know, we all get it from someone else. You know, I'm here to share my experience, strength, and hope, just like someone did for me, um, you know, was that, you know, I had to start to have an open mind to set aside. And I love the set aside prayer also, to set aside everything I think I know, because what I know is going to kill me for sure. You know, when I set aside what I think I know and be willing to listen to someone that has been there, done that, and is continuing to do it, you know, and to take those steps and those actions one day at a time, not from yesterday's or not from what I might do tomorrow, but what am I doing today when I wake up? You know, am I inviting God in my life as soon as I wake up today? You know, for whatever reason, I wake up saying, help God, help God. That's just something that happens for me. And, and I'm grateful because then I get reminded that, you know, there is a God. It's not me. You know, and, if, and I have that choice on whether I pick up, you know, the principles and the steps. Or I don't, you know, and most days I choose to pick them up. Some days I don't. Those aren't very great days. But what I do know is if I am completely abstinent, you know, and I'm choosing to do the deal on a daily basis, I get it. You know, I get the deal. I get the opportunity one day at a time to not eat compulsively, to have a life beyond my wildest dreams, to live in some sanity, and to be of service. And who'd have thought when I got here that that's something that I would have wanted in my life? Not me. It is something that I have today that is phenomenal. And it's only because I keep coming back here and I keep asking the God of my understanding to show me what I need to do today. That I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Sandy S. Hi, Sandy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Asheville, North Carolina. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. Um, And the Brotherhood of Man, a grim jest. Definitely, um, I I had the gift of total degradation by the food. I lost everything. And I had a spiritual experience, which I shared before, and that's how I became abstinent. And the essence of the experience was that I had a choice. Uh, It was compulsive overeating or love. And I had this spiritual experience, an experience that's the only thing that does it, of love. And it felt so much better than food. And in that moment, I got struck abstinent. Uh, And it was because somebody shared with me that insight from OA, a recovered person. This was in 1976. And March 3rd, God willing, Uh, It will be 43 years of entire abstinence for me because of a spiritual experience. And yet, there's something in me that is unable to surrender to a higher power. I mean, I keep doing all the actions. I'm very motivated because I experience so much pain. But what happened today, what I really loved is when someone shared about why, I mean, one of the biggest blocks for me is why was there the Holocaust? I'm Jewish. Why is there so much torture in the world and people suffering? You know, it's hard for me to believe in God. But what's the alternative? I mean, I love that. Am I going to let these sick people take away the God concept 
certainly not. And, you know, that's all I could do. I can't force myself to have this, you know, really organic belief in God. I can't. You know, if I could, I would have had that belief already. But definitely, I might not have the belief, but I definitely take the actions. And I have worked this program from day one because my hair is on fire. Not like it's on fire, but that's what I experienced. Because in addition to the compulsive overeating and even overriding it, I've had mental illness from which I have been recovering by the grace of God. And I have experienced inner peace and well-being. And hopefully one day I will really know to my core that this gift of inner peace is due to a higher power. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sandy. Yes. Leslie W. Hey, thanks, Rebecca, for your service. Leslie W. Recovered in Tennessee today. For this day only, thank you, God. And um, if there was a devil, he seemed to boss universal, and he certainly had me. Oh, my goodness. That's definitely um, the way that my disease had manifested. It had me, you know. And um, if the devil had a face, it would be... <laughs> It would be this disease. Um, I definitely had my share of pain, as we all do in this program. Um, and I could not concede. Um, I could not concede in my mind. I could not reconcile a God who allowed bad things to happen to me or to people around me and a God of love. Um, I don't really know, I can't pinpoint it to you when that exact moment shifted for me. All I do know is that, you know, as previously stated, I reached a point where I could no longer afford to live in a state of victimization um, and curse, inwardly curse God, because mind you, I was I was a hypocrite. I was going to church. I was up there in the choir. I was pretending as if I really believed in the goodness of God and yet would go home and stuff my face. And um, the truth of the matter is I had an, a deep, deep, deep seated resentment against God for those things that had occurred in my life. And, um, I did not know how. I did not know how to love God. <clears throat> I did not know how to truly accept his his goodness and his grace uh, until I became afflicted with this disease and face-to-face with either death or spiritual health, help. And uh, that's, that's when I turned to God and started to really, we have to believe, we have to see it in other people. I don't know about you, but I had to see it in other people first. I had to see that transformation happen in other people to believe that it could happen for me too. And that's why we're all here to testify and say, you know what? I used to be like that, but now I'm like this. I used to be in the grips of the food, but now I'm living and walking around free today. We are here to spread the message and to give hope to those without any. And that takes God. There's no way I could do that without the grace of God today and his power working through me. 
to demonstrate that each and every day, just like it says in the third step prayer, I offer myself to thee to deal with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. So that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Leslie W. Barbara P. Good morning. This is Barbara P. in Atlanta. And judging from what I had seen, um, that's where I really want to focus in today because that is totally leaning on my thinking. And my thinking pre-program and even sometimes now, um, oh, and I'm sorry, Barbara P., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Judging is what I do a lot, and I am extremely intolerant. And just like Bill, I was so negative. My negative thinking when it came to religion was just, and the, the funny part is, the thing I really blamed religious people for was being intolerant. And yet I was as intolerant, if not more, than anyone I know. I really had through these stops to find a new pair of glasses. I have to put them on every day. I can still judge people's actions and and then, you know, kind of criticize a whole group because of one person's actions. Um, But I know when I walked in and I walked in, of course, a lot of our meetings are in churches. I walked into a church and I just, and then they started talking about God and I thought, I can't do this. Um, but I really had no choice. I'm so grateful for that gift of desperation. And people quickly helped me to see you don't have to believe in God. You can just, just a power that's greater than you. I, I have to say, I still, I, I struggle. And I, I thought that I, I've had some experience with relapse and I really kept thinking it's because I can't get this God thing. I can't get this God thing. But that just wasn't true. I just wasn't working on my relationship with God. I really was. I was not doing all the steps. And and then I was complaining because I wasn't getting this God thing. I To me today, I have a higher power. I can still question religion sometimes. I can even still question my beliefs. But I have a higher power. I know that's not it, uh, that I'm not it. And uh, I, I just, I'm incredibly grateful I feel like anyone can walk in, atheist, agnostic. I certainly was exactly Bill. I didn't want to hear it. But today, I have a higher power and I live free of food. And um, and I don't even have, it doesn't, it doesn't, none of it matters. doesn't matter what I call it. doesn't matter what I believe. I just have to focus on the work, on working on my relationship and plugging into a power that is greater than me. At first, it was the steps. And that was more than enough. And some days it still is. I just, I believe in these steps. And they are definitely more powerful than anything I could do on my own. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Barbara P. Kathy G. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. And I so deeply relate to these couple of paragraphs. Uh, To Christ, I conceded the certainty of a great man, and I thought I was following him when I came in, and I guess in some ways I was to the best of my ability. Um, But I love that line, I had adapted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. 
Um, and one of the thoughts that comes to me is, I mean, one of Christ's teachings is dying to self daily. And there were parts of myself, certainly, that I was dying to, but I did not want to die to the M&Ms when necessary. I mean, I, it, it was such an overwhelming thought to me, and it sounds so ridiculous in the context of talking about um, someone like Christ, but that's how big it was to me. And uh, then, like Leslie touched upon, you know, talking about the devil, he was certainly, um, uh, he seemed the boss universal and certainly had me. And that's how I felt when I was in the grips of M&Ms or ice cream or, you know, whatever it was that was pulling me um, away from dealing with the feelings that I had. But what I love here in Bill's writing is that he is going into deep contemplation about his relationship with God because it says on the page before, because the door opened and his friend who was a former drinking buddy stood there fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes, something different. What happened? And when I came onto this line, it was you people with your testimonies, with your recoveries, talking about being recovered, talking about being neutral with food. I had never heard this before. I mean, I had had plenty time studying God and with God and in church and as a worship leader and all kinds of things, but I could not overcome this. And it was you who lit the way for me and helped me to go deeper with God. And I will be forever grateful for that because something has happened to me and I have freedom today and I'm experiencing a life that I didn't know that I could. And it's because of these steps. So if you're new, I just encourage you to just keep going and work these steps because they work and you can get set free from that um, addiction. So thank you for the time I passed. Thank you, Kathy G. Russ M. Good morning. Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. Um, man, these, these past couple paragraphs have been kicking me in the gut. You know, let me just start off with, to say this. I, I, I'm no good-ass Christian. I'm a, I'm a broken man, right? But I felt... Even as as a young at a young age, very young age, that God's hand was on me. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. You know, maybe ten, eleven, as a, as the disease started progressing. You know, I I felt that you know I was chasing God for years. I had this faith, but yet I was trying to control things. And you know, life was upside down. Not just with the food. You know, not just with the food. Um, you know. It's like one of those things on your light. You know, your light switch, sometimes you have a slider and you could bring the light up real brighter or keep it low. You know, I was kind of not even in the middle. I was always chasing and my relationship was there, but it was like I was hanging on by a thread and I can never figure it out. You know, I and, and I would lose my faith. I would be despairing. And I, I would look back and I look at the world and say, man, if this is all we got, man, we got to renegotiate that contract. If this is it, there's got to be something bigger. There's got to be something better. I wasn't too big into the rules and regulations. I tried developing a relationship with God. 
but the disease hadn't. You know, life hadn't. And, you know, it, it just snuffed out that spot. You know, the food, the self, this addiction occupied the spot where God should have been occupying. I didn't know it. Sometimes I chose it. Sometimes I couldn't help it. Sometimes it, you know, it got on me. I can't figure it out. But I know one thing. It was kind of the greatest thing that ever happened because I kept living this life and I broke down. I had nothing else. I fell apart. And then, you know, when God is all you have, God is all you need, right? And there's a different perspective. Now my heart is fuller. I don't have much, but I have everything. And my relationship with God is paramount. It's the coolest thing. I just, you know, sometimes I go back and analyze why was I so screwed up in that department when I was so active and trying? You know, disease could, you know, present itself in many different ways. So that's what ha ha happened with me. But, you know, it's, it's not about rules and regulations and, you know, looking the part. It's about really developing it. And, and you know, you got to spend time with people you love. And we have to do that with God. And that's developing a spiritual life. So, I ain't got to figure it out. I ain't no pro or expert. I'm just saying I'm a broken man. If, if Without God, I have nothing. Have a great day. Love you. Thanks, Russ M. Siri C., we have plenty of time for you. Siri, we don't hear you, though. And now we have two minutes, actually. Hi, sorry. Yes, hi. <laughs> okay. Hi, um, Okay. Hi. Sorry, C, I'm compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Um, thank you so much for this line. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for all the unbelievably inspirational speakers. Um, I am so grateful to be identifying in um, with God's grace. I think I had my first day of abstinence yesterday. I think, because I'm not, um, I have to keep asking advice from people that are wiser than myself, the sponsor. Um, but I'm, I'm terrified because, you know, I, I've been working so hard to do step one and step two. Um, and if anybody asks me, I, I, I am a spiritual person. My friends think I am one of the most spiritual people that they know. And yet there are parts of my life, especially specifically with the food, that God was not invited he wasn't there, and, you know, I, I listened to um, a, a special edition, and uh, my answer to my question of how do you just do it is you gotta got to move quickly, you got to work the steps, and you've got to put down the food, and I had to make a decision, which I hate doing because part of it is I don't want to grow up, and I don't want to take responsibility for myself, uh, but I had to make a decision to give myself over to God. And give my and put my will in God's hands, and it was amazing, and it broke my heart, and I fought it to the end. Literally, I stayed up late on purpose, almost like, come on, I've got these freshly baked cookies on my counter. I, my daughter just baked them. She literally came over to me with a chocolate and said, "Here, mommy, I love you. Here, have half of my heart-shaped chocolate. I want you to have it." And I was able to say to her, "No, how did that happen?" And it was only because my sponsor told me you know what, if you're talking about willingness, why don't you pray to God for the willingness to put down the food? 
And I'm so grateful to her, and I'm so grateful to this program. I'm so grateful to everybody, everything everybody shared before me, because it has given me strength to try for day two. So thank you, and with that, I pass, and, and I'm so grateful. Thank God. Thank you, Suri C. Well, thank you to everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, February 26, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 12,592. That's 12592. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sally P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, Sally P. Recovered in Colorado. A book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But you obviously cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.